Stream the show on demand at KetchikanRadio.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to the First City Forum, brought to you by KPU and the Gemini Crystal Wizard. I am your host, the one and only Joe Williams. In the studio with me, I have my co-host, Cole Greenup. How you doing, Cole? Oh, I can't complain. Never can. Never can. Now, uh, Cole is going to be taking over the forum once I'm done. This is, I have one more episode after this, and I'm going to go and host the Lumberjack show this summer, which I'm super excited about. But I'm mostly excited to have my brother, the phenomenal Chris Monsa, on the phone line. Chris, how are you doing this? Well, it's, it's afternoon where, where you are. Yeah, man. I'm blessed and highly favored. And I am doing great. I'm down here in Chicago, Illinois, on this beautiful gray <laughs> afternoon. A beautiful gray afternoon. You know, it's pretty cloudy here in Ketchikan, too. How are you enjoying Chicago, Chris? I'm loving it, man. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, I've been going from the Midwest for quite some time, like a little over, like, maybe since 2015, mm-hmm. I left, you know, and, uh, being back, it's just, it's just really nice, you know, it's a, it's a nice city, I love Chicago, Chicago's amazing, so many great places to eat, I love the people here, it's just awesome, I'm having a blast, man. You, you know what's crazy? We're both from Detroit. That's where we grew up. And I have never been to Chicago, but I always hear the best things. Now, for those tuning in with us right now, if you've been following my uh, social media or if you've been listening to me talk about it on the uh, broadcast here, uh, my brother Chris is an actor and he is on the hit uh, NBC series Chicago Fire right now, at least uh, three, like three episodes so far. Uh, we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit and talk about your journey as an actor and give some inspiration to the good people of Catch a Can um, and how they can follow their their uh, dreams, stay focused, and that kind of thing. And this is sort of an impromptu interview. I text Chris maybe 30 minutes ago to uh, to be on the show, so I don't have a, a lineup of questions right now, but more of just like a natural conversation, right? Yeah, we're going to flow, baby. We're going to flow. It's going to be good. So, uh, so Chris, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, your character on the show. And really, let's start with how you uh, got to be on the show in the first place. Man, well, that goes back to 2021. I think I auditioned sometime in, like, April, March, maybe, like, March, I auditioned for the show, Chicago Fire. And I was auditioning for the Chicago shows quite quite often before that you know I was I had auditioned like three times maybe for PD and uh, you know it wasn't quite there but you know they were saying they liked it and you know and you never as an actor if any of my actors friends are listening like you never know once you do the audition you send it out and you do your work you come from a place of truth and then you never hear anything if if you don't get it and sometimes you might, you know, you just, you just never know. Um, and so this particular audition, you know, I had it come up. I was like, oh, okay, another one, you know, cool. Uh, I just did this really quick, and I kind of looked at it, and I was like, oh, this is really good. And so I do the audition, and I send it off, and I'm, I forget about it, because I'm like, I got all these other things. I'm like, I'm doing this Zoom musical uh, with UCLA at the time, and I was... Uh, prepping to go film in LA for a short film uh, in, a, in a month. And so, like, doing other things, and I didn't really expect anything to come of it. And 
then lo and behold, a few days later, I get the call that I booked it. And I couldn't believe it. it was, it's one of those moments where you dream about these things, you tell yourself it's gonna happen, you go through the ups and downs and like the trials of shooting for it and missing, and then you make it. You get the shot, you, you, you make the shot, and then you go, I got it, oh my God. And now everything comes at you so fast. And one thing I was grateful for was like my study and my preparation to be an artist, to be an actor, had prepared me for how quick everything came once I had got the role. So once I got it, you know, they put me in, they got me in, and, and it's just a, it was just a beautiful experience. I had such a fun time. They flew me out to Chicago. It was my first time flying first class. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> hello, baby, you know. And uh, I was, uh, I had a car pick me up, and oh, Mr. Williams, let me grab your bags for you. And I'm like, yo, yes. man, this is this is beautiful, you know. And it, you know I, how we kind of came up. It was like this is some, this is a life we dreamed about, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I get to Chicago, I do the episode. Everybody's so welcoming, so kind, and uh, I think that's the end of it. You know, uh, one of the guys there, uh, Steve Chikorotis, he came up to me after, and he was like, hey, you did a wonderful job. We want to see if we can bring it back. Like, I really liked the, the work you did. And I was like, hey, listen, that would be great. If not, this was a blast. You know, I didn't really expect much. I was just like, hey, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I had a great time. Like, to me, I already won. You know, it is like this is this is like the winning, and so I left, and uh, lo and behold, a few months like I think it was maybe eight months later or so, I got the call that they were thinking about bringing me back, and I was like, wow. oh my goodness, you know, and it's just it's still you know I'm just settling into it feeling real, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Chris, uh, your story is really the perfect, uh, uh, what, allegory of, uh, of preparation meets opportunity. So let's take uh, our listeners back a little bit to your experience and your pedigree in acting. You hold two degrees in fine art from some of the best um, acting programs in the country. We have Western Michigan University where you did your undergrad and then the and then and then USC um, where you finished your master's and you've made so many connections and the end industry and your time. So let's talk about all that work that you put into it. And then that moment when you book this, uh, this network television show for the first time, where people who are not only booking for this one show, but people who are going to be booking for other things in the future are getting a chance to see you in in the in the mass media, really, because uh, Chicago mm-hmm. Fire is a very popular show. Um, people all over Ketchikan watch it, and I'm always uh, uh, so happy when people say, oh my God, I saw your brother on uh, on TV, he's doing so good, uh, he's going to have a great career. I'm like, yeah, of, of course he is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had a question for you, Chris. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah, yeah, brother. Um, as someone with the traditional training, like the degrees, the background, how important would you say that was to the process? Like, do you think you had a the, the knack for it and you just had to hone the skill, or do you think that you just needed the paperwork to show them that you could do it? Mm, that's a great question. So I'm going I'm to address two things. Uh, first of all, 
Yes, Western Michigan University. I got my bachelor's there. And it was UC Irvine, Zot Zot, and where I got my master's degree. Um, and it, it's been a beautiful journey, and I'm going to get back to that in a second, Joe, that question. And for you, Cole, uh, it was really something I felt as far as, like, why I went to pursue, like, the formal training. Uh, I had no idea how I was going to do what was in my heart to do. You know, I had no clue how I was going to be an actor. And uh, Joe actually informed me that I could go to school for it. And so it was something that wasn't even on my radar. And by the time I went to school and started learning about the craft, I realized that it was something I cared deeply about. And the, the training in, in the formal university academic setting, you know, was something that I had access to. I had not a unique opportunity to pursue it and to be trained by these people who, at that time, I was like, y'all know way more than I do. And still, you know, a lot of them still know way more than I do. And, uh, and it was something, I had a knack for it, and I, I needed to know more. I had this desperate desire to know more about it. As far as the paper man, it's cool sometimes. Like people are like, oh wow, you went there, great. But has it guaranteed me a job? No, not in the slightest. You know, if the work is there and the work ethic is there and uh, you're in the right place at the right time, they could care less about if you got a degree. You know, it's, it's, it's for me, it was about honing the process and becoming a craftsman, uh, uh, a true artist, you know, and uh, a student of this craft. And so it served me well, me personally. I know some people, though, who never went to school and they're in higher positions than I am. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it all depends on your personal journey. But, but for me, it was really about honing the craft and being in a place where I felt like I could fail and it not cost me my career. Yeah, so like you did it for the love of the game, like just trying to hone what you thought you really wanted to be a part of. Yeah, man, and also I was terrified deep inside. Like I was, I had no blueprint as to how I was going to do what I was going to do, and, and school was the safest journey for me that I could be like, like once I got a taste of like, oh, I can kind of like mess mess up here and this this actually takes a lot more understanding than I thought going into it if I had known what I know now about the process I probably wouldn't have started it you know what I mean yeah that's interesting actually and uh and I mean it just kind of touches on the whole journey of I, I went to western Michigan and and I, I didn't even know what a monologue was you know, they when I found out you had to audition to get into the program, I was like, uh, okay, what do you mean? You know, like you need two monologues and if and I thought I was gonna do musical theater and and they were saying like and you need a song, like a contemporary song. So I called Joe. I knew what a song was. <laughs> so I was like, Okay, I could probably do that, pick like a Trey song song or something. You know, I'm I'm not thinking about like theater training and like the proper sort of the more traditional, I shouldn't say proper, the more traditional thing that people do for auditions. I called Joe and I'm like, hey man, what's a monologue? And he had to tell me, like, oh, uh, well, it's kind of like, 
the soliloquy. I remember he's like telling me like, you know, like Shakespeare, like if you do like Hamlet, like it's to be or not to be. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Yes, I'm gonna do to be or not to be. <laughs> I had no idea, man. And so it was, it was in that exploration and having like Joe be there to sort of, and I don't know if he, if you even know this, man, but like being there as like my sort of guide to oh. walking into this journey as an artist. You know oh. what I mean? I knew I wanted to do it, but I didn't know how. And you were sort of there to, you know, offhandedly or very consciously guide me into like, hey, yeah, you should try this. You should do this, you know? You're going to make me cry, Chris. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned that you, that you didn't know what a monologue was and that uh, I said something about Hamlet or something. What monologue did you end up choosing? I ended up, funny enough, man, I ended up choosing uh, for my audition some terrible, let me know what, it wasn't terrible. <laughs> but you know, you know, like you go, you find those, you go to the library and you look up like monologue books for actors mm-hmm. and you scroll through them. And at that time I was doing theater for community health because you didn't have to really like, it was a, it was something I could get into and I, I didn't know the difference, you know, to me it was theater. I saw theater and I was like, oh great. We were talking about sex education and safe sex and consent to all the students around the campus and we would put on these plays about that. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. I get to be in plays. And so that director helped me pick out some monologues. One was from um, Free Fall by Charles Fuller, I believe. It was a, a monologue from that. And the other one was a Shakespeare monologue that I think it was, I, I don't think it was to be or not to be, but when I did my grad school audition, I did To Be or Not To Be and uh, another monologue from this play called Sucker Punch. And, uh, and so that, that was, it was a full circle moment for me and I was like, I have to do To Be or Not To Be. You know, cause I didn't care to go to grad school at that time, I was like, yeah, I'm not trying to go, but my professor's like, you should really consider it, it's a terminal degree. I was like, yeah, but I'm kinda over school. Like, I'm, I'm done, I did it, okay, let me go. But I'm really glad that I ended up going. It was, it was awesome, man. Now, uh, Chris, you mentioned that uh, that though you do have uh, a master's in fine art and acting, you don't really need one to do what you do. But I want to ask, um, in what ways has your degree given you the advantage? Because you have a lot of training that a lot of people who did not take the academic uh, uh, path would not have, like uh, being able to play yeah. characters of different accents, different um, ethnicities, different nationalities of, uh, and all kinds of things like that. So talk about that a little bit. Process, 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 man. Uh, the, the one thing that I feel like I have uh, that is awesome for me is the ability to craft quickly. Um, I, I, because I've been doing, I was, I've been doing it for about seven years that what takes, what took me weeks to like do, I can do in five minutes. You know, because it's, it's, it's one of those things that becomes like second nature. I can look at a script and go, okay, I need to look at this moment, this moment. Yeah, that is more just like for exposition. This is, this is okay, this, this is important. This, I need to make this the important stuff and, and understanding like how to craft my performance in rehearsal and then also what uh, the education taught me was how to let it go during performance. So I'm not like thinking about, okay, 
I'm going to do exactly how I rehearse. It's like, no, at that point, let it go, you know? And so it's really the process of crafting a performance and, and performing that uh, I felt like I really was able to um, get into my body in, in school, you know? And then coming out here as a professional, I'm able to go like, okay, these little things that maybe I take for granted now, you know, they really serve me well. But it seems like second nature to me now. It's like, oh yeah, of course I analyze the script. Of course I do script analysis. Like, of course I go and break down every thought and character thought. Like, this is just what I do, but it's not what everybody does. And it's not for everybody. Like, some people hate that. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like my process is better. It just serves me well. You know, um, I want to talk about your uh, your proudest moments as an actor. I'll, I'll, I'll speak on a mind that I've gotten to experience. One of my happiest moments of you in your career so far has been the fact that um, that before our grandmother passed last year, she had a chance to see you on TV. And uh, and so your first appearance, your first guest starring appearance on a Chicago Fire. Um, back last year, season nine, episode, was it 10? Uh, episode twelve. Episode twelve. Um, the the title was uh, the 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 mystery man or what was uh, natural born firefighter. Natural born firefighter. And and yeah. so and so you were the star of that episode. The episode kind of surrounded around your story arc, and that was such a huge thing because you know so many actors have these guest starring roles and they have uh, uh, names on the credit, but the episode isn't about them. It just seemed like from the very beginning they had you in mind to be at least a recurring character if not a main cast member on the show and I think that was such a proud moment for our family and especially for uh, for our, our uh, dearly departed grandmother and that was one of yeah. my happiest moments and we just all knew that you would be back and, and that was just so huge so let's talk about your, your proudest moment as an actor so far in your career man you know God's promises are, are wonderful when they come to fruition and and uh, it touches my heart in such a warm way because grandma was really like my authenticity coach. <laughs> you know, she would, she would, she would always ask like, let me see, let me see the audition. Let me see the audition. Let me see. And so I would show her like, okay, she's like, no, you, you need to, you need to like have that look in your eyes and you need to do this. And like, don't nobody just say this with dead eyes. <laughs> and so, and she was, and she was so raw and unfiltered, and it and it really kept me like checking in. I'm like, okay, what am I, what am I doing? How am I doing this? And and she was so proud. Um, she was so proud to see to see me do that, and and she always knew, and and she, she just she was always the biggest support, and it was just wonderful that that she got to see that before she made her transition on and. Uh, and I know she, she still, you know, it, it, everything she was is in us, you know, and I, I, I still hold on to that. And it, it's been beautiful. And, and that, that is, for me, is like one of my proudest moments is, you know, my sister has a niece. Uh, my sister has a daughter, uh, my niece, Christiana. Mm-hmm. And a little baby. Seeing, seeing her, my mom recorded a video. She saw me on TV. She goes, Uncle Chris, Uncle Chris on TV. Yes. And I was like, ah. Oh. And then I was FaceTiming mom, and 
she saw me and she's like, tell Uncle Chris, you did a good job. And she looked at me and she goes, Uncle Chris, you're a superhero. And I was like, wow, man. And, and in that moment, I realized it's like, that for me is priceless because it's showing like the, the next generation that these heights are possible. Mm-hmm. And this is somebody in close proximity who has been taken to this level to let you know that like, it's possible to get here. And not only is it possible, but I get to sort of draw a blueprint if this is the route you choose to take. You know, so uh, that for me, man, is priceless, and I can't wait to to continue to do that. And like all the family, like our family is so supportive in the most genuine way. Mm-hmm. You know, like they really are like so excited, but also very much like, hey, we're here for you. Yes. If you need anything, and so I, I couldn't be I couldn't be more proud of like the family and the support system that I have, and like being able to set. Uh, be a role model for my my young cousins and my nieces and nephews and yeah man I'm I'm just really proud of that and that representation is really important too seeing people do the things that you haven't seen before that look like you part of your community your family and friends like that can be really inspiring and show you the path that like not everything is set in stone you can do what you want to do a hundred percent Cole I mean a hundred and that's something I've been struggling with is like when when you realize that it's show business like there's a business to this show business that i I didn't have anyone before me to kind of be like hey man when you do this make sure you xyz you know and luckily i have you know a great team great managers um that are kind of like hey listen when you need something let us know and and i had to i had to learn that like Yo, these people are here to help me on the journey because I'm so used to being like, okay, I got to figure this out. Uh, I don't know. And, then, and my manager was like, hey, listen, you're not in trouble or anything, but I'm here for you. I'm here to help you. If you need this, if, if you're unsure about this, call me and let me know. You know, I'm not just here to get you the job and be like, all right, see you. When you, get the, you know, and so it's just really learning to lean on the support system that I do have and not feel like I have to carry everything myself. You know, uh, Chris, you just mentioned something about your uh, your management and your team. Uh, so I want to ask a few questions about how do you know when you when you're uh, on this journey, and you reach a certain level where you start to look for representation. How do you know who you can trust and, and who and what kind of uh, uh, people to have around you during that process? I, I think. who. Man, I, I done been in some some shady <laughs> some shady offices, man. Uh, and and it really takes a discernment of spirit, and it takes being like I was signed to some whole dunk agency. I think it's like U.S. Models, what Models USA or something like that. And it was terrible. Like they wanted this money up front, and they were like, you "Pay this, and then we're gonna get you." a photographer and some headshots, oh, we need to get you, and it's like all these things you have to learn. I had to learn firsthand because I was so desperate to like get out there and do it that I was like, oh yeah, 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 uh, this, this, this is right, and it wasn't. And so like one thing you, you gotta know is if anybody asks you for money up front, they're wrong, mm-hmm. it's wrong, it's a no. I don't care if it's for 
I'll get pay us for headshots or pay us for no. No manager or agent should be taking money from you up front for anything. Now if you need you need headshots, this is true. And so but you can go find your own. <laughs> go find your own or get a friend that takes really good photos, get a plain backdrop and get some nice photos of yourself and invest in and invest in good ones for yourself because you're going to need them. Those are your calling cards as an actor. But anybody that's charging you really, I would say more than 10% in commission is wrong. A lot of people say 15% and there's some very legit managers that charge 15%. I think it's wrong. Nobody should be charging more than 10%. That's what the agents, no agent, definitely no agent because in order to be an agent, you have to be recognized uh, by the government, I don't know exactly. I'm now I'm talking a little sideways, but <laughs> you have to be re- you have to be recognized as an agent by the government to be called an agent. So they, and they can't charge more than ten percent legally. Uh, and a manager, anybody can kind of be a manager, really, because they're not like uh, and they're not overseeing, but you know, an entity overseeing. But anyway, the point is, is they. Be careful for people who are like, oh, 15%, 20%, that's outlandish. So that's ridiculous. Uh, so just make sure you ask questions. You can always be respectful, but ask questions. And if people make you feel bad for asking questions and being curious about what's going on with your business, they're wrong. And also know that they're working with you, but you're the captain of your ship. If it crash, that's on you. They're going to be, they're going to go on to their clients and stuff. So it's like, take ownership in that. And that's going to take some time. That's going to take you being able to communicate with other people who have been in the industry. And, it, and you know, you're going to fail. You're going to fail in some places, but really learn to, like, listen to what people are saying before you're so eager to, like, sign. And before you sign anything, before you sign anything, you should always look at it and have it looked at by uh legal professional uh, before you sign in contract binding yourself to something have it looked at by a lawyer uh-huh. and that's, that would be my advice like make sure you get an attorney that doesn't represent your management or your agent like your own attorney that has your interest in mind because you have to protect yourself because you're a business you're going in this as a business and like yes we love the art we love to be able to tell stories but this isn't just show it's show business and so and you're you're the head, you're the CEO, you're the founder of whatever business you are, like whoever you are as an artist. So exactly and, you know, and I think uh, you touched on something so important there is that when you're representing yourself and you're putting yourself out there and you are creating capital for these entities you are a business and there are so many people who have the idea that art that art should be free and that artists should just do it for the love of it and because they don't get paid for what they do no one else should and that drives me so crazy because it's like it's, it's like it's like yeah yeah I love to, 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 to perform and do all this and that but if you're making money why on earth would I not make money too? That doesn't make sense I'm to gonna me. I'm going to cut out my bag because exactly. you don't think I should get paid for singing. Get up here and sing then. <laughs> not at all. So I, uh, I want to ask you a quick question, Chris. What's the difference between yeah. an agent and a manager? Oh, now this is something I'm still figuring out. <laughs> in, the be- in the beginning, really, it, I, I think an agent is really more concerned about uh getting you in certain rooms and getting you opportunities that will advance your career 
you know, right away. And then like, I, I only have a manager, so I can speak, let me speak on what I do know. Okay. My managers are, uh, she is very much concerned about my career over the, the, the marathon that is my career. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I start? How am I gonna grow and get to the level that I wanna be at? That very like hands-on, I can call them and be like, hey, listen, I'm trying to figure out this. What do you think about this? Do you think that I should take this? They're very much concerned about like what choices you make in your career, if it's good for where you wanna go. You know, managers are, are typically more hands-on. And my manager in the beginning really acted more like an agent would in that, like submitting me for things and, and everything. And uh, the agents though, they have a little bit more, typically, typically a little bit more uh, access to like auditions, uh, casting directors. They have, they have, usually have more resources like to get you in the room or seen for certain things. Uh, and depending on the level that your agency is at, like CAA uh, or WME or UTA, these are like like the top three. Uh, right now, they they have like the any any project you see, they're going to know about it long before probably anybody else knows about it. And so it's like those things that like agents are able to do, and then they're able to get you in and fight for you to be seen or to get this role, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that's a great question. And uh, I'm still like, okay, so what exactly? And I feel like I get an answer. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I kind of go, wait, so what's the difference? <laughs> um, I was just curious because you're on a big project right now, Chicago Fire. Like, mm-hmm. really proud of it. Seems like it's something really cool that you get to be a part of. Um, Thank as you with most artists, how many of those projects do you have, those stories where you just did it to get a paycheck? Like, you got any of those horror stories or, man, I can't believe I did that project. <laughs> yeah, man. You, you kidding me? Uh, I won't say what exactly, because <laughs> like it. It, was, it was something I did that I was like, I'm in the midst of, like, I don't got no money. And somebody asked me, like, hey, look, you need, you need somebody to do this. Would you be interested? I'm like, uh, look, if you could pay me this, then I'll do it. They're like, great, I'll pay you that. And then I'm like, you're a terrible negotiator. This is wonderful, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, and the project was underwhelming, you know what I mean? And not, not to say it was bad or anything, but it was just like, it wasn't something that I was like, oh man, this really feeds my artistic soul. And like, sometimes there are things that we do because we need to pay our bills yeah and that's fine and then there's things we do because it'll help our career grow but it doesn't exactly feed our artistic soul and that's fine and then there's things we do where it's like man i am all about this artistically i get fed and i feel like i'm doing something that matters and like telling a story that i connect with and that's beautiful and sometimes it's all three of them and those are the rare moments that like you are doing something that pays you well, that will help your career grow, and it feeds your artistic soul and it's a wonderful experience. And like those don't come too often for everybody and, and rarely uh, do they come around. And so when you get that, it's wonderful. But also we have to remember that, hey, this is a career. We're not gonna always like to do the thing, but 
you know, it's work. So you can either complain about it or you can turn it down. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, man, I think we all, all are going to have those moments where we're like, ugh. And what am I doing I don't know here? Why I'm doing this. I think it's but interesting it, it, the way. Okay. Sorry. I no, think it's interesting the way you describe the, the blend between the three of them because I definitely get that. Sometimes you do something for the job. Sometimes you do something, you're not going to make as much money, but you love being a part of it. Like, I get that, that artistic integrity. Yeah, 100%, man. And we, we all got to decide for ourselves. Like, for me, I think it's important to have a line and to be like, I will not cross this line. I don't care if it, for how much money, for what kind of career opportunity. I'm not going to cross this line and to stand firm on that you know what I mean to to have your own boundaries and to hold fast on it because at the end of the day you have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and go yeah I'm still proud of this person now Chris I'm thinking back on your graduation from UC Irvine and we were on the campus and your face were all over the lamp posts you were on the side of a bus <laughs> and like all these things and I'm thinking this guy is such a star and you mentioned earlier we come from um humble beginnings to say the least humble 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 baby humble 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 so so how uh, and, and you mentioned we uh, uh our our siblings are now starting to uh, to have families and uh, we we just had a niece that was born today actually or or no, isn't that Savannah crazy Rose Hill. Savannah Rose Hill baby. shout out to to Brian and Kayla. Congratulations. Brian. Yes, yes. Yeah, man, so, thank you. Thank so, you, so how important is it for you to to show, um, uh, uh, I guess you kind of touched on it earlier, but I want to get a little deeper into how important it is and how and how proud, how, how do you feel about being the, the person to show our family really that there's something else out there, that there's something more out there and that, because we have a very talented family. Most people in our family sing, or do something creative and and but but few people pursue it and how important is it for you to be that person like on that on that higher pedestal um to show like hey like you've got these gifts use them yeah man you know uh it's a little uncomfortable but at the same time it's like i think i'm where i am today is i'm aware that it's not about it's out there we know it's out there. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's accessible. It's out there for you. It's not just out there for the people that seem like a fantasy. You know, I think it, it, it was, it's crazy because like, oh man, when I got put on the level that I'm at in my career, when I made it to that level, and I'm like, this is the beginning for me. And mm-hmm. I'm, But it's also such a huge milestone because I'm somebody I know. I'm a real person, and it and it happened for me. And I'm I'm on TV. Like it really happened. I, I I thought this like like you know it happens, but it doesn't seem real until it either happens to you or it happens to somebody you know intimately. And and so I was like, whoa, this is okay. Like this is a thing that it, it happens to people, and you don't have to have come from a certain type of family or. You know what I mean? It was just it was just like, man, for me, it was important for me to know that like there are people looking at me and my siblings 
and and that you know it is it is accessible really because I think we all know it's out there like oh yeah there's there's these things you could do people do it all the time it's like no but where we come from and and like I don't know man it's just like it's accessible it's accessible and you can do it I think that's really interesting because a lot of what I see current day with celebrity culture is the disconnect where a lot of people don't see them as another person, but they all came from some high school that somebody knows them, that somebody like it's all there's the disconnect between their stardom and their real, mm-hmm. like the reality of their persona. Yeah. And that's, that's something I'm seeing. There's something that happened to me when I got, cause it, you know, you dream about what it's going to be like. Man, when I get on a hit TV show and I see all the people, you know, the people, my co-stars that I work with now, it's like, I watch them on the show, you know, and be like, whoa, man, that's crazy. Like, they're doing, this is crazy, like, as a as a fan of the show. And so, like, after I did the guest act, because before I did it, I didn't know what the show was. I was like, oh, okay, let me see. And then watching, I'm like, whoa, this is a good show. Like, I, this is crazy. Like, these people and, like, some of the actors, they've been, they've been doing this a long time now. One and of the so, actors is from Bones, so, all kinds of cool shows. I know, yeah. yeah. I mean, all, all kinds of great, great work. And so you go, you get to, a, you get to in the room and you go, okay, I'm prepared to be surrounded by God among men. And you go, oh, these are great people, but they're people. Mm-hmm. They're, they're people just like me. There's nobody superior to me, no matter what level they are. It's like, you're not superior. Nobody's more superior than anyone else. It's like, you're a person. You just happen to be in a different position. And so I think when we can get out of, out of our minds that like, oh, well, they're up there, so they must be superior to me. It's like, no, everybody's trying to figure this thing out well, at do you- every level. Well, do you know who might have it all figured out, Chris? Who's that? Sir Paul McCartney. Now, it actually is. It actually is. Wait, 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 wait. So, oh God. So the station is giving away. <laughs> so the. So <laughs> That was the worst segue in the history of segue that it might be the best Wait, 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 please, wait, wait, wait. So the station is giving away uh, tickets for two to see Sir Paul McCartney in Seattle on May 2nd. So all you guys have to do all... I'm sorry. Oh my God. So all the so all of you listening out there, all you have to do is drop in to Alaska Gulf, uh, check out what they have going on, harass Cullen just a little bit, and drop your name into the box to win tickets for two to the show plane fare for two to Seattle and an all-inclusive hotel stay for two while you're down there enjoying the show. Um, and now, but there's a way th- for you to, to win 10 f- extra free entries into the contest. All you have to do is call us at 907-225-2193 and sing Hey Jude to the voicemail and you'll get 10 extra entries to go and visit Sir Paul McCartney as he entertains us for the seven for the seventh decade of his career of his career (laughs) yeah well just his career bro (laughs) 
Seven decades, that's his career. That is amazing. Oh, man. Oh, so, so, Chris, I always ask everyone this. How do you feel about Michael Jackson stealing Paul McCartney's music? <laughs> so there's... So, I, uh, so, <laughs> well, he didn't actually steal. He, he, he bought it fairly, and he bought it for like five times the price they were asking for. So there's a story. Uh, Paul McCartney was teaching Michael Jackson about how to um, how to uh, grow his, his brand and his business. So he was, he was teaching him about publishing. So Paul's telling him all this stuff, and Michael Jackson's like, oh, Paul, I'm going to buy yours. <laughs> And then, and then Paul, and, and then, and then Paul McCartney said, "Oh, ha ha ha, Michael, you're crazy." And then he goes, "Oh no, I'm serious. I'm gonna buy yours." And then Paul's like, oh, "Okay, oh, okay, oh, all right, oh yeah, yeah, yeah." So then, I guess a week or two after that, uh, they saw each other again because because they were pretty close close friends. And then Michael Jackson's like, "Hey, Paul, I'm gonna buy your publishing." And then Paul's like, "Okay, this is kind of an old joke, but all right, ha ha ha." And so I guess a week after that, Paul McCartney gets a phone call. Like, yeah, Michael Jackson bought your publishing, and he's like, "What?" <laughs> Listen, man. And the, wait, wait. Uh, and, and, the, and the best part about this story is that Paul McCartney had a chance to buy his own publishing, but he didn't want to own the publishing for the Beatles outright because he wrote the songs with John Lennon. And so he said, oh, I don't want to just be the sole owner. So he calls Yoko Ono and she says, and, and there was, a, I think it was like $20 million for the uh, publishing. And she says, well, I think we can get it for uh, for a uh, five. So they don't buy the publishing. Michael Jackson buys it. And it's like, what? So every time Paul McCartney sang one of his own songs, he had to pay Michael Jackson. And, and I, and I love that so much. <laughs> you should own your masters. You should own your publishing. You should own all of it. You know what I mean? And uh, the fact that he didn't take Michael Jackson serious when he told him twice. Hey, listen, man. I'm about to buy that publishing. I'm going to buy your publishing. So if you want it, you better go get it because I'm about to buy it. And he gave him so much time. See, I wouldn't have given him any time. I would have just bought the publishing and called it a day. You're a savage. And then then when Michael Jackson bought the the publishing, Paul's like, oh, can you sell it back to me? And Michael Jackson's like, ha, 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 no, it's just business, Paul. Don't worry about it. And just never gave him back his publishing. Who's in charge of Mike's, who's in charge of Mike's estate? Because they got to be making money. I think Catherine Jackson is in charge of Michael Jackson Michael Jackson estate, a billion dollar estate craziness. All right, Chris, we are out of time. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for being a part of uh, of today's episode and thank you for everything that you do and just continuing to be an inspiration in my life and, and in the lives of everyone else. Uh, for those uh, just tuning in, please check out Chicago Fire airing every Wednesday on NBC um, and you can stream it on the Peacock app 24 hours after it airs that's how I get to see because I don't have cable so I have to wait that extra day so boo but um, but April yes. 6th April 6th is the next, next episode April 6th April 6th is the next episode don't miss it but in the meantime catch up on Chicago Fire season 10 episodes um, oh no it's season wait it's season 15 episode 10 right no, we're, we're in 10. We're, okay, we're in so, season 10 right so now. So season 10, 15, 15. episode 15 and 16. Thanks yeah, for talking man. to us today, man. Yes. So, so, Thanks, so check out Chicago Fire season 10, episode 15 and 16. See Chris uh, live in action and, epi- and season 9, episode 12 to see his first appearance on Chicago Fire. Uh, thank you all for tuning in to the First City Forum brought to you by KPU and uh, the Gemini Crystal Wizard. Um, I'm going to go to the rec center and have a good workout. You guys have a great day. Bye bye.